Welcome listeners, but take heed. We will say whatever we need to share our knowledge, thoughts, and joy, and even things that do annoy. So join us now, but be aware. We have a tendency to swear. We'll dial it back a little bit. But frankly, we don't give a shit. Welcome to Just Keep Rolling, a Harry Potter book movie compare and contrast podcast. I'm Ellen, and this is my cohort, Katie. Sup, bitches? Okay, we are just gonna keep rolling. <laughs> All right, let's keep rolling right into the rolling rehash. Yay! We hope you had a happy Thanksgiving. In last week's episode, we discussed Chapter 4, The Keeper of the Keys, and its parallel film scenes. We saw Harry officially meet Hagrid and finally get to read his letter, huzzah, learning that he is, in fact, a wizard. We talked about how the movie only gave us this basic information, even though in the book, this was also when Harry learned about Voldemort and how his parents died. In addition to the movie delaying that reveal, we also, <laughs> we were also rantling a bit about how Hagrid didn't really get as angry at the Dursleys as he did in the book, which led to a really awkward segue. Yeah, no Caps Lock Hagrid. I missed Caps Lock Hagrid. I did too. Hmm. But we only had one Potter pondering during episode four, where we asked, how would you react to being told you were a wizard or a witch? My husband, Len, said his reaction would probably go a lot like Harrison Ford's reaction to David Blaine's magic trick. Get the fuck out of my house. Yeah, I can totally see him saying that, by the way. Uh, if you haven't seen that clip, I'm putting it up on Facebook for your enjoyment because it's hilarious. We got a number of good responses, such as Bridget Emerson said that she would feel shock, confusion, followed by mild excitement, then a realization about why I always seemed weird. Missy Mordarski said, I fucking knew it. Jeff Swislocki said, I would be pretty stoked. We also got several really good gifts. I yeah. say gifts, not gifs. Yeah, because we're team gif over here at Just Keep Rolling. Because, you know, graphic is, in fact, a hard G. That's Thank right. you. Lastly, we have a response from Carly Ferguson, where she said, I would not be as calm as Harry appears. There would be tears and lots of jumping up and down. And we wanted to save her for last because it brings us right to our trivia question. That she answered correctly. We asked, how much did Harry pay for his wand? With the code word Ollivanders. Note that that's just one word. <gasps> Harry paid seven gold galleons for his wand. So if you answered the magical number seven and specified it was galleons, then you got it. So yay, congratulations to Carly, who got that correct and was the first one to post with the code word. On that note, let's get started with Chapter 5, Diagon Alley, and the corresponding film scenes. Chapter 5, Diagon Alley. Harry wakes up the next morning, refuses to open his eyes, and reflects on the events of the night before. He expects that the giant called Hagrid and being a wizard was all a dream, and that when he opens his eyes, he will be in his cupboard. He hears a loud tapping noise and assumes it is his Aunt Petunia knocking on the door to wake him up as usual. When he finally sits up, Hagrid's coat falls off of him, and he's still in the hut. Hagrid is sleeping on the sofa, and an owl is tapping at the window, holding a newspaper in its beak. Harry happily opens the window, and the owl flies in and drops the newspaper on Hagrid. It then starts to attack Hagrid's coat, so Harry wakes him up to let him know. Hagrid tells him to pay the owl and directs Harry to find the money in his coat pocket. Harry pulls tons of random things out of Hagrid's many pockets before finally finding a handful of strange coins. Hagrid tells him to give the owl five of the little bronze knuts. 
Harry counts them out and puts them in the owl's little leg pouch. As Hagrid wakes the rest of the way up, Harry is looking at the wizard money in his hands and the happiness is draining out of him. He asks Hagrid how he is going to pay for everything because his uncle refused to. Hagrid tells him not to worry because his parents left him money in the Gringotts Wizard Bank, run by goblins. They eat breakfast and then head outside to the boat to leave the rock. Harry asks Hagrid how he got there and Hagrid says that he flew, but that they would take the boat back because he isn't supposed to use magic now that he has Harry. He uses a little bit of magic anyways to speed things up again instead of rowing the boat. As they traveled, Harry asks questions about Gringotts, learns about the Ministry of Magic, and that Hagrid would like a dragon. They arrive at the train station to travel to London, where people stare at them as Hagrid sits, taking up two seats and knitting. Harry reads the other piece of paper in the envelope that tells him everything he will need, uniform, course books, and other equipment. He wonders aloud if you can buy all this in London. Hagrid says, if you know where to go, and leads them through London until they get to a very tiny grubby pub, the Leaky Cauldron. It was dark and shabby with a few old women drinking sherry and a little man in a top hat talking to the bald bartender who looks like a toothless walnut. He sees Hagrid and offers him the usual. Hagrid says, can't Tom, I'm on Hogwarts business. Tom then sees Harry and immediately recognizes him. Harry is suddenly surrounded by people greeting him, welcoming him back and shaking his hand. A nervous and pale young man comes forward and stammers how pleased he is to meet him. Hagrid introduces him to Harry as one of the teachers at Hogwarts, Professor Quirrell. Everyone continues to greet Harry until Hagrid steps in and says they must get on. They walk out to a small walled courtyard and Hagrid taps the wall three times with his umbrella. A small hole appears and gets bigger and bigger, revealing an archway to a cobbled street. Hagrid welcomes Harry to Diagon Alley. As they walk down the street to get to Gringotts, Harry is amazed by all the magical people, shops, items, and things he's never seen before. They walk inside Gringotts and see a vast marble hall where there are goblins weighing gold, examining treasure, and showing people in and out of doors. Approaching the counter, Hagrid informs the goblin that they are there to take some money out of Mr. Harry Potter's safe. The goblin asks for his key, and Hagrid digs through his many pockets until he finds it. The goblin declares it to be an order, and Hagrid also gives him a letter from Dumbledore about the you-know-what in Vault 713. The goblin reads the letter and then gets another goblin named Griphook to take them to the vaults. Harry is curious about Vault 713, but Hagrid refuses to tell him anything about it. Griphook leads them through a door into a narrow stone passageway lit with torches that slope downward to some railway tracks. They get into a cart that leads them through a maze of twisting passages that make Hagrid feel sick. They go deeper and deeper underground until they reach Harry's vault and Griphook opens it, revealing heaps of gold, silver, and bronze coins, more than Harry has ever seen. Hagrid helps Harry put some into a bag and explains the gold ones are galleons and there are 17 silver sickles to a galleon and 29 canuts to a sickle. Then they all head to Vault 713. Griphook strokes the door with his finger to open it. Harry expects to see something extraordinary inside, but only sees a little grubby package that Hagrid picks up and tucks away inside his coat. Once back outside, Hagrid directs Harry to Madame Malkin's robes for all occasion to get his uniform. He also asks if Harry would mind if he sneaks off to the Leaky Cauldron for a pick-me-up since the cart made him feel ill, leaving Harry to enter the shop alone. A squat, smiling witch greets him and asks if he's there for Hogwarts and mentions that another student is being fitted right now. 
The student was a boy with a pale pointed face that greeted Harry with a bored drawling voice. They make small talk and Harry is strongly reminded of Dudley. The boy asks Harry a bunch of questions about brooms, Quidditch, the Hogwarts houses, and Harry is feeling stupid because he doesn't really know what he's talking about. Hagrid then shows up with ice cream and the boy notices him and wonders who it is. Harry is glad to know something that the boy doesn't and tells him that the giant is Hagrid and he works at Hogwarts. The boy calls Hagrid a servant and a savage and says some rude things about what he has heard about him, causing Harry to like him less and less. Harry defends him, leading the boy to realize that Hagrid is with Harry and asks him where his parents are. Harry explains that they are dead and the boy asks if they were their kind and says that he really doesn't think they should let the other sort in. He thinks they should keep it in the old wizarding families. He asks Harry his surname, but before Harry can answer, Madame Malkin informs him that he is finished, and Harry immediately hops off the stool to end the conversation. The boy says he will see him at Hogwarts. Harry quietly eats the ice cream Hagrid brought him, and as they continue shopping, he asks Hagrid about Quidditch and the other things the pale boy had mentioned. Hagrid reminds Harry that he comes from a long line of wizards, and that some of the best witches and wizards are the only ones with magic from muggle families, using his mother as an example. Hagrid also points out that the boy probably would have acted completely differently if he had realized who Harry is. He tells Harry about Quidditch, a sport played up in the air on brooms, and the four houses at Hogwarts, saying everyone calls Hufflepuff a load of duffers, and Harry suspects he will be in Hufflepuff. Hagrid tells him that it would be better than Slytherin because the witches and wizards in, that tend to go bad were in Slytherin, including you-know-who. They buy Harry's books, cauldron, scales, a telescope, and potion ingredients. Then they head to Ilop's Owl Emporium, where Hagrid buys Harry a snowy owl as a birthday present. From there, they go to Ollivander's to get Harry his wand. A soft voice says, good afternoon, and startles them. An old man with wide, pale eyes is standing before Harry, who nervously says hello. The man immediately recognizes him and says, Yes, yes, I thought I'd be seeing you soon, Harry Potter. Mr. Ollivander collects several wands for Harry to try out. Harry tests out wand after wand with nothing really happening. Mr. Ollivander keeps snatching them back from him almost immediately. As the pile of tried wands grows higher and higher, Mr. Ollivander seems to become happier and happier, trying to find Harry's perfect match. He pulls an unusual combination down, holly and phoenix feather, 11 inches, nice and supple, and gives it to Harry to try. Harry immediately feels a sudden warmth in his fingers and shoots a stream of red and gold sparks from the end of it. Mr. Ollivander finds this to be very curious. Harry asks him, what is curious? And Mr. Ollivander explains that the phoenix whose tail feather is in Harry's wand gave one other feather, and that it is curious that he should be destined for this wand when its brother gave Harry his scar. He tells Harry that they must expect great things from him, because he who must not be named did terrible but great things. Harry shivers and pays seven gold galleons for his wand. Hagrid and Harry head back through the leaky cauldron, take the underground, where more people stare at them because of Hagrid's size and all of Harry's funny-shaped packages and snowy owl. Hagrid buys Harry a hamburger and asks him why he is so quiet. Harry explains that he is worried because everyone thinks that he is so special, but he doesn't know anything about magic or what happened to him. Hagrid tells him not to worry, that he will learn fast and have a great time at Hogwarts. 
He helps Harry onto a train to get back to the Dursleys and hands him his ticket for Hogwarts on the 1st of September. Harry looks out the window to watch Hagrid as the train pulls away, but he has disappeared. Uh, now for the movie, which is arguably shorter. A lot shorter. A lot shorter. Hagrid checks his watch and says that they are behind schedule and they best be off. He takes Harry to London to get his school supplies. Harry reads his list and wonders if they can find it all in London. Hagrid says, if you know where to go. And leads Harry to a dingy black building. The leaky cauldron sign starts out black, but appears as they get closer to it. They walk into the bar and the bartender, Tom, offers Hagrid his usual. Hagrid turns him down and mentions that he is taking Harry to get his school supplies. Tom recognizes him as Harry Potter, and the entire bar goes silent. Harry is greeted by everyone in the bar, including a stuttering man in a a turban, Professor Quirrell, who teaches Defense Against the Dark Arts at Hogwarts. Hagrid takes Harry out back to a brick wall and taps five bricks. The bricks begin to move, creating an opening that reveals Diagon Alley. Harry looks around and sees all the amazing magical things, crooked buildings, pointed hats, owls, racing brooms, the Nimbus 2000, and then wonders aloud how he will pay for all of it. Hagrid points out and takes him to Gringotts, the wizard's bank, run by goblins. They request to enter Harry's vault, hand over Harry's key, and Hagrid also mentions the you-know-what in vault you-know-which. The goblin directs the cart to vault 687, and opens the vault for Harry, revealing piles of gold. They then travel to Vault 713 and find a small, grubby package that Hagrid takes out and pockets, telling Harry it's best not to mention it to anyone. Back in Diagon Alley, Harry has purchased a lot of his things, but still needs to buy a wand. Hagrid directs him to Ollivander's before stepping off to do something else. In the store, Harry is immediately recognized by Ollivander himself, He tries out a couple of wands and just blows things up. Ollivander grabs another wand and says, I wonder, before giving it to Harry, who immediately feels the magic. This strikes Ollivander as very curious, because the phoenix, whose tail feather is in the wand, gave one other feather, and that feather is in the wand of he who must not be named, who gave Harry his scar. Ollivander expects great things from Harry. Hagrid shows back up with a white owl and wishes Harry a happy birthday. Back in the leaky cauldron, Harry asks Hagrid if the man who gave him the scar killed his parents. Hagrid explains how years back there was a wizard who went as bad as he could go. He was apprehensive to say the wizard's name was Voldemort. We learn that Voldemort gained followers and went after Harry's parents. No one lived when he decided to kill them, except for Harry who somehow stopped him that night. Most think Voldemort is dead, but some think that he is just very weak and biding his time. Hagrid says that Harry is the boy who lived. The boy who lived. The name of chapter one. They did a thing. They did a thing. One of the biggest things uh, that's different from the chapter to the movie is that this scene doesn't start until the next morning in the book, but starts in the middle of the night in the movie. Yeah. They cut... Streamline that a lot. They did. And, like, I guess the whole morning scene wasn't really that necessary. Yeah. But I find it very weird for them to just, okay, it's midnight, we're gonna go. Like, what happened to all that time? But, I mean, it just, like, I just kind of feel like any time after, like, after all this, this bombshell, this truth bomb has just been dropped, 
anything after that, that anytime he has to spend with the Dursleys after that, it's going to just be awkward. Yeah. Yeah, probably. You know, so it's kind of like, well. Okay, let's go. Bye. <laughs> see you later. I'm going to take off now. Bye, guys. You know. Yeah. I just feel like that would, that's what I would rather do. If that, especially like, dude, I just found out I'm a, I'm, I'm magic. Like, I want to get out and start doing some shit about it. You know, I don't want to. Yeah, I don't know. I don't want to waste any I'm more still, time. I'm still bothered by the fact that in the previous scene of the, they never even had Harry ask, or like the first part of the scene, they never even had Harry ask how his parents actually died. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm, I'm already going to feel pretty nitpicky about, like, <laughs> first of all, you think that Harry's just going to gloss over the fact that his parents weren't blown up. Yeah, but not ask like, why. And now you're just going to have him leave at midnight. Like, they just made changes to this that didn't make a ton of sense logistically to me. Okay. So, but. I can see that. I can see it. I can also, I, I also feel like it could be explained away, too, that he was in shock. Yeah, I mean, I About guess... everything. I mean, think about, think about all the, again, a lot of truth bombs being dropped that night. Yeah. You know, I mean, that was a lot to take in. And in that scene that we just finished up, that we're continuing on from, mm-hmm. he already knows what happened to his parents. Yeah. So, like, I have an easier time, like I said, I have an easier time believing that he's going to move on with this, having that information, as opposed to just shelving those questions and asking mundane ones yeah, until sure, he I finally can... learns it. That's just my thing about I can, it. Yeah, and I can see that. But let's, I can let's, totally see that. But let's, let's get keep, back to... Let's keep rolling. Let's keep rolling. <laughs> um, you know, and uh, another thing they cut out is they don't show um, Hagrid and Harry traveling to London in the film, but they do. There was a deleted scene of that, of them on the tube. On the tube. On the tube, on the underground. Mind the um, gap. Yes, exactly. And they, it was, it was this, um, it was kind of a hilarious scene, really, because Hagrid's like this big half giant and he's on this tiny tube train. You know, and then little Harry's across the and across the way and from he's him. Knitting, and, yeah, which he was in the book. So I, I, I don't understand why they cut some of these scenes out. I just yeah, it wasn't a long scene. They could have left it in. Well, you know, and this was also this the scene where Hagrid. We learned that Hagrid really wants a dragon. He he brings up that he really wanted, has always wanted a dragon, and yeah, in the book, when they took the boat to leave the rock. Um, Harry was asking all sorts of questions and he finds out about Gringotts and that they have dragons guarding it. And then Hagrid's just like, crikey, I want a dragon. And yeah. like, I'd like a dragon. And like, what? Yeah. <laughs> I'm wondering, since it it was in the scene that got deleted, if we ever actually find out that Hagrid wants a dragon. Or- we, I don't think we, well, we do through Harry who says that the first time he ever met Hagrid, he said he wanted a dragon. But we don't... And that's this scene that oh. he's referring to. So they cut a scene, but they didn't cut the... Oh, well. Yeah, they cut the little Not continuity. Not sure how I feel about that editing there. A little continuity issue Come on, there. WB. <laughs> Not making his eyes green, dropping the ball on continuity. What is wrong with you right, guys? Right, right. Anyway, keep rolling. That's what we got to do. Just keep on rolling. Just keep rolling. <laughs> Another little fun tidbit too, though, is on the on the Blu-ray, the deleted scene is labeled as traveling to King's Cross when they're clearly traveling to Diagon Alley because Harry's reading off his school supply list. Oh yeah, he hasn't bought anything yet. Yeah, he hasn't gotten anything. So he's like, you know, I need dragon hide gloves and I need this and I need that. So they haven't even gone to Diagon Alley yet. They're on their way. So 
it's again, not King's dropping Cross. the ball. Dropping the ball. That's on WB, man. You know what I want to know? I'm probably going to have to make this a Potter pondering, but I want to know what happened to the Dursleys. Because in the book, yeah. Hagrid and Harry leave the rock the next morning and they take the boat. The boat that the Dursleys and Harry came oh, over. Oh, yeah. In. Yeah, that's right. And so, I, I mean, I assume that it just said in the book that the Dursleys went into the other room. I very much doubt they left without the boat in the middle of that storm. Yeah. So they took the... How did the Dursleys get yeah. off of the, the rock? That's a really good question. I wonder, maybe did Hagrid go back for them, you think? Is that... Maybe that's why the Dursleys were, like, somewhat tolerable to Harry his last month before starting... Like, maybe that's why they even brought like agreed to bring him to king's cross Ooh, maybe but you know he was probably like okay look i'll get you guys off this uh, this stupid hut on this stupid rock but you have to take harry and you have to not be complete dicks which i mean that's a- asking a whole lot from bag yeah. of a-holes <laughs> Yeah, we'll have to talk about this more next episode yeah when this actually comes up when it comes up for yeah. sure <laughs> but yeah so Back to the episode, this episode's topic, yes. <laughs> of course, yeah. Um, in both the book and movie, Hagrid takes Harry through the Leaky Cauldron, where he is immediately recognized and greeted by a bunch of witches and wizards, including a man in a purple turban, who turns out to be Harry's soon-to-be professor, Professor Quirrell. Yeah, but in the book, Quirrell does not have on the turban when he first meets Harry. He doesn't start wearing it until after he fails to steal the Sorcerer's Stone. And calm. then Voldemort possesses him. But Just that's calm down, Hermione. Like <laughs> you're getting you're you're getting real heated about this turban. Okay. I'm just saying. Fine. Okay, fine. Another difference um is that in the book he does shake Harry's hand, but in the film he refuses to. There is a there's a theory that Quirrell is already possessed by Voldemort in the film, and that's why he's wearing the turban and refuses to shake Harry's hand. And we'll talk more about that later on in the book. But I think that if he was already possessed by Voldemort, that Voldy was just telling him not to touch him. I guess that could be it. I don't like it. I mean... He wasn't he wasn't supposed to be possessing him at that point in the book. I Like I said... Well, he wasn't possessing him at that point in the book, but at that point in the movie, he was apparently. But I apparently. don't like that because that's not how it was in the book. Coral doesn't start wearing the turban until after he tries and fails to steal the Sorcerer's Stone because Hagrid already took it from the vault. And that has not happened yet in the book or the movie. Again, calm down, Hermione. Just calm your tits. Okay, fine. I got another Hermione moment, though. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Lord. Why does the woman say dragon liver 17 sickles an ounce? Shouldn't it be a a galleon an ounce? Well, that was only in the book. But yes, it is 17 sickles to a galleon. And, you know, 29 nuts to a sickle, of course. Yes, but... I know you say canuts, but I'm still saying canuts. nuts. Well, I say canuts because Jim Dale says canuts. Yeah, well. In a different taste. But I just like saying nuts. I don't know if, if doesn't it sound worse to say like 17, even if it's 17 sickles, 17 is a much bigger number than one. So doesn't 17 sickles sound worse than one galleon? Uh, yes, but you're, but. It seems like poor marketing. But here's the thing. Is, would you rather that something cost 99 cents or one get one dollar? Oh, that's true. They do it like that. But 99 cents is still less than a dollar. Oh, whereas Lord. 17 sickles is actually oh. a galleon. Well, they're not going to say 16 sickles and, and, 20, and 28 nuts. Eight nuts. <laughs> like, 
That just seems ridiculous. That's fair. Like, this... like I, I don't recall seeing any 28 nut stores in Diagon Alley. Sorry. I really, I really want there to be a 28 nut store in Diagon <laughs> Alley, though. <laughs> I really want that to be a thing. Like the dollar store. Yes. <laughs> but it's the 28 nut store. Speaking of stores... Um, <laughs> I'm trying to segue us back on track here. Ah. I loved getting to watch Harry's first introduction to Diagon Alley and seeing all of the magical stores. Well, it was our first introduction right. to, That's to right. the magic. But, like, and to it was everything. just so amazing. Yeah. He's looking around and he sees all of the magical shops and the people and the animals. But did anybody else notice the bat balls? Or is that just me? Because that's all I can see in that scene. <laughs> oh, on the top, at the sign on the top yes. of the shop. Yeah. Where it's like, da na 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 bat balls. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Like, I, that's something I didn't notice until I watched it with you. And now that's all I can see. So, I, so, so thanks for that. There might be something wrong with me. There <laughs> might. Well, all right. If you want to downplay it, sure. You know, Moving on, rolling on, Just if you will. Rolling. Just keep rolling. Uh, the Gringotts scene is very similar between the two, uh, but Hagrid doesn't get sick on the cart. In the movie, he doesn't get sick on the cart like he does in the book. And Harry also doesn't ask him about stalactites and stalagmites. Which, fun fact. Oh. This is how I always remember this. Stalagmite comes up from the ground, and you can remember that because it has a G in it for ground. Oh. Stalagmite. Wow. And a stalactite comes from the ceiling. And you can remember that because of the C for ceiling. Stalactite. What? That's how I always remember that. I wish I could tell Harry that since Hagrid was just, <laughs> don't talk to me. <laughs> Bill Nye the science guy. I'm learning things today. Yeah. I'm excited. You learn something every day. I do. And I now do. you will never forget <laughs> the difference between a stalactite and a stalagmite because I haven't. Any Anytime I see phallic things hanging from ceilings or coming up from the ground, I'm going to think of you. Be proud. Bat balls. <laughs> Rolling on. Uh, Madame Malkin is omitted from the movie, along with the scene from the book when Harry first meets Draco Malfoy. Like, her shop is is in the scene. You see the sign for the shop, but you don't... We never go in. Or Harry... I should say Harry doesn't. Never goes in. But yeah, this, this is when Harry... The first time Harry meets Draco Malfoy, even though we don't learn his name at that point. Of course. And this is the first and certainly not the last time that Malfoy insults Hagrid, calling him a servant, a savage, and making him out to be a big oaf. Which is why I don't like the fact that the movie had to make Hagrid out to be unable to spell happy birthday. Yeah, it didn't I, help. I think sure. it's, it's better when Malfoy's snobby comments have no basis in truth. Yeah. It's really just our first example of, you know, little Nazi von douchebag the second. <laughs> Uh, prejudices, basically. Nazi, Nazi von douchebag the second. Yeah. I yeah. did not see that coming. Oh, I see what you did there. His father's going to hear about this. <laughs> I guess obviously his father would have to be the first. Well, yeah. yeah. No, he that's... would definitely be Nazi von douchebag senior. The first. The first. The first. Yeah, and you know, this is also Harry's first experience with a wizard child, with a magical child, like someone his own age. So I'm wondering if he's even, like at this point, worried that this is what all the oh, wizards are yeah, like. that's a bad first impression Yeah, for his peers to come. Right, because, I mean, the only other person he's met is Hagrid at this point, 
and Hagrid is different in general, you know. He's, I mean, he's an adult, and he was expelled from Hogwarts. Like, I guess movie Harry doesn't know that, but... Yeah, well, <laughs> aside from that. But yeah, no, this is, this is a peer, and mm-hmm. this is his first impression of... Other wizards his age. Yikes. Yeah, that really, that probably had to have oh something to do God. on his self-esteem, really, when you think about it, because he was probably sitting there going, oh my God, are they all like this? Right, and the whole scene, he's even, like, Malfoy's asking him all these questions that he doesn't know the answer to, mm-hmm. so he's already probably feeling inadequate. And he, but he's talking about how his dad's getting his books, his mom's looking at wands, and then he's going to take him off to look at brooms and bully his dad into buying him one so he can smuggle it into Hogwarts somehow. Yeah. That's like a terrible first impression. It's even said in the book that Harry was strongly reminded of Dudley, so he's just probably like, fuck, I'm never getting away from this shit. Yeah, honestly. That, oh, that would actually, like, crush me a little bit. Right? If it were me. (laughs) Oh, man, I never even thought about this till you brought that up. Yeah. Breaking glass, enter that right there. Because now it's all I'm going to think about. Right? Poor Harry. <laughs> um, you know, and, and by the way, why is Draco's mom looking at wands without him? Since the wand chooses the wizard, she can't really buy his wand for him without him. I mean, the first several round wands that Harry tested out in the movie were pretty disastrous. Because they yeah. were breaking shit. He blew shit up. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of buying wands, that's another difference in the book. Um, Hagrid's with Harry when he buys his wand. But in the movie, that's when Hagrid goes off to buy Hedwig while Harry's Mm -hmm. getting his wand. And that's kind of a change as well because in the book, Harry is with Hagrid when they go by the owl. And then in this whole scene too um, with Ollivander, another part of J.K. Rowling's humor was omitted because... Ollivander in the book like pulls out a tape measure and is like, "What's your wand arm?" and is like measuring Harry, and then yeah. pretty soon Harry realizes that it's doing it by itself, and it's measuring between his nostrils. And I don't know why, but that cracks me. Doesn't up. doesn't that happen in Madame Malkin's too? While he was like talking to Draco, I don't think so. Are you sure? I mean, I I just read and wrote summaries, and I don't remember all of that. And this was definitely in. Okay. Anyway, I'm gonna go with you. Rolling so, yeah. on. Yeah, it's just it's just measuring like all these all these <laughs> really random, random spots, things, but in between yeah. his nostrils. Well, you need to know. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was measuring the size of his nostrils to get a wand that wouldn't fit up there. Because it does fit up troll nostrils. It does. Well, a lot of things fit up troll nostrils. <laughs> I'm I'm pretty sure. I mean, anyway. <laughs> Moving Let's on. Let's just keep rolling. Let's just keep on rolling. We've had to say that a lot this episode. We have. It's that, it's that darn... I thought you took your riddle in. I did. It's, it's not an exact science, Ellen. <laughs> all right? Come on. Anyway, in the movie, uh, after they finish all their shopping, Hagrid and Harry are sitting at the leaky, leaky cauldron, and Harry finally asks the questions that he probably should have asked way sooner about his parent, how his parents died and how he got a scar. Well, stuff that we learned in the book, right. obviously, in the book, not. Harry already asked Hagrid about the death of his parents and Voldemort in the previous chapter. They yeah. really delayed this reveal, build up the suspense, I guess. Right. But I think it was, like, this, this time the segue made sense because he asked them reflecting on what Ollivander said, having told him that the, like, you know, the wand, its brother, gave yeah. you that scar. Like... 
Yeah. So Harry starts to put two and two together, and he's just like, yeah, like the wizard that does... gave me this scar. He killed my parents. Like, and then he does that whole like Ollivander does that whole weird, you know, we can expect great things for you, me from you, because he who must not be named did great things. Terrible. Terrible. But, but great. great like that i don't i didn't i always didn't like that he i mean it, he said it in the book too no no no. i'm not i'm not saying i didn't like i'm just saying that that line in general and always it always made me a little bit weirdly wary of Ollivander, like reading well, the books even yeah well but i mean harry even said that in the book he wasn't sure he liked Ollivander. yeah true. and and later on in in many years when we get to the seventh book that comes back like we'll talk about that more then yeah um but but i believe i will jump ahead a little bit and say that uh because of the power and his interest in wand lore Mm -hmm. i think Ollivander was very intrigued at the idea of voldemort and the power that he had and it's just interesting because normally when you think of the word great you're thinking like awesome excellent yeah yay go you but yeah in this instance when Ollivander says great he's talking more about like vast or this like large like it's okay significant it's not a positive thing yeah and it's people i think forget all the time that great has great that definition yeah. as well yeah which i mean as I obviously do. <laughs> yeah. No, but it is like, it is kind of disturbing how he says that though. Like he's kind yeah. of creepy. A little bit. We got we got way off topic. We did. Sorry. <laughs> we were talking about how um, it was a good segue between like him hearing how the brother to his wand gave him that scar. Yeah. And that's what kind and of then... alerted Harry to the realization that oh the oh, wizard wait, that gave me this, this scar. Yeah. But I like I said I still find it completely completely unbelievable that he made it that long without ever being like what the fuck happened to my parents Hagrid like you obviously know I mean I yeah and I can I can understand that I totally can I can see where your frustration is on that one um but I just I just always still go back to like he was kind of in shock yeah that probably was shock that that was just so much piling up on him at once we talked about um, you know, learning you're a wizard and that your parents didn't die in a car crash and yeah, there are dragons and yeah, like meeting let's... another wizard your age who's a total Nazi. Nazi von <laughs> Douchebag the second, of course. And, and and feeling like, like we were saying, I'm feeling like he may not have actually escaped the shitty life yeah. that he was living. He may just be going right so, back to more Dursleys. Yeah, I guess it's know? entirely possible that just as a coping except, mechanism. Except now he's just going back to Dursleys that have wands and magic and can and do which shit. Which could be worse. Yeah, like exactly. But he's, yeah, he's probably worried he's going to keep getting you know treated yeah. the way he was treated by yeah. Dudley and his friends and his aunt and uncle. Like, are people... I don't know. But, I, well, but, too, though. I, I also I also want Overwhelming wanna, as well that he's famous. But go on. Overwhelming as well that he's famous. But also, too... I want to point out, remember the first time you saw the movie and the first time you saw Diagon Alley in the movie? That was overwhelming to watch on a movie. Bat balls. Bat balls. (laughs) Aside from bat balls. But you know what I mean? That was just like, you're seeing all this awesome magical stuff? Yeah. Okay. I will accept that 
I just Harry was overwhelmed. Yeah. And that's why he didn't think to ask it until things were calming down a bit. And yeah. they're sitting there in the leaky cauldron. He got all his school stuff. He's got his wand. He's got his owl. He's got all of his school supplies. I don't know that I could have made it through a whole day without being like, wait, my parents. <laughs> but I also don't know what that would be like. Yeah. I don't know what that would be like. Well, also, too, Hagrid said a couple, uh, at least once, Hagrid said, you know, I'm not sure I'm the right person to tell you about all this. You know, so I don't think Hagrid wanted to have that conversation with him to begin with. Yeah. So that may have been, that may have been more of a reason why movie Hagrid, at least, got him out real fast and they went right to Diagon Alley. They went it's right true. into he, London and Maybe Diagon he did Alley try and... to ask a couple of times. He actually, you know what? Totally just thought of this. Harry's probably really fucking terrified to ask questions. Yeah. Yeah. He's been conditioned to not ask questions. Yeah. So maybe he was just testing the waters and breaking the ice with his more mundane ones. And yeah. I'm willing to accept that and be less nitpicky <laughs> about it. Okay. Look at that. Look at that. Look at that. Can we, can we, can we mark that for me? Can we just... Just mark There's a that. win for Katie. There's a that we'll put that in the Katie column and, and move right on. Can move on. We'll Just roll, keep rolling. Keep rolling. So yeah, beyond beyond all of that, um, this scene is it's also the first time Voldemort is even mentioned. Um, when in the book he's brought up in the very first chapter. Oh yeah, like, they he don't was do never, that in the movie. Yeah, he was never named in the in the movie until this point. And he's brought up in such a way of of like Hagrid doesn't even have Hagrid's afraid to say his name. And, like, stutters over it, basically. Although, in the book, he says he can't spell it. But I'm not as bothered by the fact that he can't spell Voldemort as not being able to spell happy birthday. Because happy birthday is a common phrase. Yeah. And Voldemort is a made-up name. (laughs) Just saying. I I will give Hagrid a pass for not being able to spell a made-up name. Yeah. Well, especially because, you know, it's French. So. Voldemort. 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 She's silent because I'm fancy in French. Well, I'm Aww. now in just such a habit of saying that. I've been listening to the audiobook over and over again, preparing for this podcast, yeah. these these episodes. Mm-hmm. And in the first few po- in the first few audiobooks, Jim Dale says Voldemort. And yeah. then after the movies came out and everything and they said Voldemort in the movies with the hard T, he actually switches to saying Voldemort. Oh really? Yeah, he does. Okay. And I, I never but like that. I feel so uncomfortable pronouncing that hard T. I can't do it. Well, when I the first time I read the book, I read it as Voldemort because because of the French pronunciation. And at the time, you know, the only foreign language class I had taken was French, so I was kind of used to that a little bit. And I thought I was like better than everyone. I'm like, I know how it's really pronounced because well, I, I mean, say Voldemort. Voldemort. But then when I saw the movie, and they said and Voldemort, they, and yeah, and they're all saying Voldemort. And again, well, it just sounds so harsh now, though. It, well, I mean, I think it should. No, it's, I mean, like, I mean, it's like awkward to say. I'm like Voldemort. Yo. Like, I have to, like, <laughs> Voldemort. Like, it sounds like an you have extra. To force I it. can't. Yeah. You I, have to force So I'm sorry. It. If you think I'm extra because I say Voldemort, get over it. I don't think that you're extra. I don't. I mean, you're. You I'm are totally extra. extra. You are but it's extra. Not because I say Voldemort. This is not. Yeah. This is. This guys, is you you have legitimately no idea how extra this girl is, um, but Voldemort is the least extra thing that she does. If that tells you anything <laughs> in the world, Hagrid also says there wasn't a witch or wizard who went bad that wasn't in Slytherin. 
But that's not accurate. I just... I'm not just trying to defend my house here. But I'm totally defending my house here. (laughs) I'm just saying... There's assholes in all houses. There are assholes in all houses. There's assholes to be found. Not really Hufflepuffs, though. No. Well, Zachariah Smith's kind of an asshole. He's a little bit of a turd. Yeah. Bit of a turd. Okay, there's assholes in all houses. There's assholes in all houses. There just, there is. Just like in life, there are assholes everywhere. Some are in bags. Some are in satchels. <laughs> you know. Yep. Anyway. Yeah, anyway. So, um I'm just saying as a, as a Slytherin, I am not a fan of the fact that this early we are made out to all be bad because that does carry on into in through the whole series. Well, yeah, throughout the whole series, there really isn't a good Slytherin. There's some that aren't that bad. we see. That we see. That we see. That we see. I want that to be perfectly effing clear here. <laughs> I'm not sure if you understand this. I'm very passionate about my house. I love my house. I'm afraid and as fuck of snakes, but I'm kind of like Batman in that way. Batman was scared as fuck of bats, and I'm scared as fuck of snakes, so I'm Slither Girl. They're, oh, God. I hate my... Oh, that just happened. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, that's... Never, I'm never living that one down. <laughs> that just happened. My apologies to everyone listening. Push this one forward. And... I think I think I might need to dial back my, my <laughs> everything right now. <laughs> just dial it all back. Yeah. Um, so, okay, fine. We'll accept that yeah. not all Slytherins are bad. They just didn't introduce us to them <laughs> in the series. But, uh, and we'll get back to talking about the book and the movie. Um... The very end of it, in the book, of this scene, in this chapter, Hagrid puts Harry on a train to return him to the Dursleys. Mm -hmm. But in the film scenes, it ends at the Leaky Cauldron after Hagrid being like, you're the boy who lived. Yeah. Well, the very next scene is Hagrid dropping Harry off at King's Cross to head to Hogwarts. Um, Which we will be discussing next week. Because that's next chapter. That is next chapter. Right now, we're going to talk about the new actors that we see mm-hmm. in this scene, or these scenes. All adults. All this adults time. this time, yep. Yeah. Um, one of them we're going to mention, even though he's not really significant overall, but Derek Dedman as the bartender. They don't actually credit him as Tom. No. Like he is in the book, but... Um, Which is funny, because Hagrid does call him Tom. He does. In the movie. I, just, I don't know why, he's just the bartender. But yeah. I wanted to bring him up so that we could specifically talk more about this character later on and have it be consistent Mm -hmm. um but the reason why i really wanted to say something about him was because he's described as looking like a toothless walnut as opposed to all those walnuts that have teeth (laughs) right and then this guy doesn't look anything like a toothless walnut so i don't i don't think he was well cast and maybe that's why they didn't keep him maybe (laughs) (laughs) oh nuts (laughs) god damn it Moving on. <laughs> Just keep rolling. Next up, there is uh, Ian Hart as Professor Quirinus. 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 Quirrell. I'm not entirely sure what I expected from Quirrell. I'd like, I, I don't know why. It just... 
but I think he did a very good yeah, job of being I, squirrely. I was, yeah, I was. He was definitely very squirrely. Mm-hmm. And I, but I think that he also did a fantastic job with the stutter. Yeah. And honestly, have you ever tried to to, to stutter? Like, it's kind of hard to just stutter. Yeah. I've only ever stuttered on accident. If I'm deliberately have... trying to do it, then maybe that's the trick to this podcast. Maybe I need to try and stutter my way through <laughs> it, and then I'll say everything perfectly. I have a little bit of a stutter myself. It. I try not to. It. 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 <laughs> oh, that wasn't even on purpose. That just happened. <laughs> I mean, I believed you, but I appreciated the demonstration. Yeah. <laughs> no problem. That's what I'm here for. Educating the masses. But yeah, and the point being. I have a bit of a stutter, and it's not with just letters, but it's with, like, full words, as you just heard. Yeah, it is harder, but, and I was impressed that he pulled it off pretty naturally. Like, he really did. And it made, you know what, it made the um, the juxtaposition of when, at the end, when he's finally revealed. Just talking normally. And then he's talking yeah. normally, and you're just like, oh, shit. Yeah. Like, no, well, well, I think we're going to have to revisit him, because... To be certain, he was very well cast. Yeah, I think so too. As Professor Coral. I approve. Mm-hmm. Um, we also saw Warwick Davis in one of his many roles yes. throughout this movie. Um, he played the goblin bank teller. And he also was the voice of Grip Hook. He wasn't actually Grip Hook. But he did the voice. But he did the voice. And of course we will be seeing him again later and we'll bring that up then. Yes. Obviously, we're not seeing, like, his full potential in this. It's just a quick little uh, introduction to him, basically. But, I mean, Warwick Davis is amazing. He's so versatile. No matter what, yeah. And the, and this movie really proves that, because he plays three different characters, essentially. Because he, he's the bank teller, the goblin bank teller in the beginning. And then he's the voice of Grip Hook in this one, where his mini-me is the actual body of Grip Hook. <laughs> He was played by Vern Troyer uh, physically, but the voice was, the voice was still was Warwick, Warwick Davis. Davis. And then later on, we'll see him as uh, Professor Flitwick. Yes, obviously. Um, and that's really where we'll get more into his his acting ability yeah. because we see him more as as Flitwick, yeah, and as we the, see him as the Goblin. Yeah, as, and as the Goblin, he is. I thought he I thought he came across clever and swarthy, like they yeah. described the goblins to be, so Right, yeah. Little Ponzi, you know. But we'll definitely be talking about him more when we get to him as well. When Warwick. we get to him too. Yeah. For for as as far as this role goes, I think he did yeah. he did very well. He made a good goblin. Yeah. I just love his, his He's got acting. a great voice though. I was just gonna say I love his voice and I love I love that he he changed. I mean, each character had a, has a if different voice. If we didn't voice. know he was the same person, we wouldn't have known he was the same person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something like that, sure. <laughs> Just to make that nice and succinct. Anyway, um, our last new actor here was John Hurt. Love him. As Garrick Ollivander. Although Ollivander's creepy as Ollivander's, well. Yeah, Ollivander is a creepy fucker. Like, there's no doubt about that. You know, so the fact that John Hurt played him and he was creepy. Oh, as he fuck, nailed it. That's exactly how it. I pictured Ollivander when I was reading the books. Yeah. Like that was just a hundred percent what I expected it to be. The way that he delivered lines, the way that Yeah. Like he like shuffled around behind looking for wands, like mm-hmm. everything about it was just Ollivander. Yeah. And I wouldn't expect anything less out of John Hurt. He looked the part, he sounded the part, he acted the part, he was yeah. the part. Like there's no doubt about that. 
But John Hurt, as you know, he was the war doctor and Doctor Who. I loved him as the war doctor. He's been in so many. He's iconic. Yeah. I mean, he's really, he's... Rest he's, in peace. Yes. So those are all of our actors that we get to meet for the first time in this scene. Yes. During this section of our adventure here. And for the most part, I believe every one of these we will talk more about later. Yeah. Um, even, even, uh... We just the really, bartender. Right. We just really wanted to share our first impressions of them, mm-hmm. which are now kind of tainted by the fact that, of course, we've seen the whole series and know them from beginning to end. But it's still kind of easy to flash back and remember what what it, what it was like to see them for the first time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's nice to revisit. I have to say, that's one thing about, about Harry Potter is no matter how many times I see it, I can always remember my first time seeing it. You know? Yeah. And it's really fun to revisit that when we're really, like, we're rewatching it and analyzing it and trying to, like, really, like, it's been, this has been great and we're so glad that you guys are joining us to do this with us. Yeah. And I hope that you are having as much fun as we are. And we hope you continue to do this because, again, if, if you're not here, it's just us talking to ourselves, which we will gladly do. Oh, don't, keep doing it. We're having a blast. Yeah, don't think we won't. But We, we want to share this with people because it's something that means a lot to us. We want to know that we're not alone. <laughs> as well <laughs> there's other people who want to analyze this as much as we do um or at the, at the very least want to listen to us analyze things yes <laughs> and so that'll bring us to our potter ponderings yeah. we will rehash that how i said i'm definitely going to make that question about the dursleys the potter ponderings because i really want our listeners input on this i, I would love yeah. to know if there are other theories about that what do you think happened to the dursleys like this is a plot hole here right yeah <laughs> did they get abandoned at the hut on the rock when hagrid and harry took the boat to get back to the mainland i mean obviously not you know i think hagrid went back for them and that's why the dursleys were somewhat tolerable to harry in the last month before he started school they did bring that abuse level down just to neglect just to neglect <laughs> You know, from, from, they, they, they were at a 10 and they brought it to a 9.5. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. And then Dudley was just completely terrified of him, which we'll talk about more because that's, I think that's hilarious. Yeah. I mean, maybe Hagrid threatened them with ears to go with the pig's tail if they weren't kinder or, you know, at the very least didn't get him on the train to Hogwarts. Yeah. Cause I was, well, we'll talk about that next week. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah. What do you guys think? What happened to the Dursleys? Obviously we know that. They didn't stay on the rock forever, but yeah. how'd they get off? What do you guys think? I like, I like to think a little bit in my head that maybe they didn't get back until, like, maybe Hagrid didn't go and get them until, like, the day before he was supposed to go to Hogwarts. So Harry just had the house to himself for a whole and month. And that's why he was actually being neglected. And he was, yeah, he was like, it was like Home Alone. It was... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so let us know what you guys think. We'll have this... <laughs> Sorry, I'm stuck on the Home Alone thing. Now I just have this this mental image that Harry just booby-trapped the whole house. Uh-huh. <sighs> Woo. Yeah, so let us know. We'll have the, the post about this up on our Facebook. And we're going to start putting it up on Twitter as well. So yeah. start start talking with us, guys. Get we those wanna, tweets. We, we want to hear you guys. Yeah, we want to hear what you guys think. Um, one person that we have heard from... Uh, is the subject of our sorting hat story. Yeah. I I love this girl. She is just so sweet. And it is from Miss Carly Ferguson. Carly has answered our trivia question and participated in our Potter Pondering discussions. So she's been mentioned in this episode quite a few times. It should be the iCarly episode. She's just been a really great listener. We're just, we're lucky to have her. So shout out to Carly. 
Hi, Carly. Hi, Carly. She's been she's been quite vocal on Facebook and Twitter and Twitter. Yes, that is true. Um, has had some and great insights, and she has been excited to hear from her. She has. I really like her. Um, I'm not trying to be show favorites, but you know, I mean, she was the first. She was. You never forget your first. Just saying. Um, anyway. <laughs> Sorry so if tell, we, I'm, tell us about Carly. Please. I'm really sorry if we made this weird for you, Carly. <laughs> I'm really, really sorry. Um, Carly writes, My name is Carly Ferguson. I'm 26 and a Hufflepuff. I won't hold that against you, Carly. And a Thunderbird at Well, Whether she's 26 or a Hufflepuff? A little bit of both. <laughs> I'm just saying. I love you no matter what. Um, my Patronus is a ragdoll cat. And my, and my wand is Ashwood. Dragon Heartstring Core and 11 and 3 quarter inches. My sorting hat story starts the same as many, but I love it because it made me who I am today. In 1998, or 99, I'm literally unsure at this point, my dad brought home a book for us to read together. He gave my sibling a copy to read, and they had finished their copy within a day. I was in kindergarten at the time, so dad dedicated to reading a chapter a night with me. I was hooked from the last sentence of the first chapter. After my parents divorced and my dad wasn't there to read with me every night, I dove into Harry Potter. I was only nine, so I only read the first two over and over. It helped my anxiety and honestly still does. I totally feel you there, honey. Mm -hmm. Um, When Pottermore was first released, I stayed up until midnight to get approved to be on. That was when they had those weird chosen for you nicknames. I remember being sorted into Hufflepuff and being a little disappointed. However, the more I read, the more I felt connected with it. Today I am a happy Hufflepuff married to a wonderful Ravenclaw. I still return to Harry Potter every time I need a pick-me-up. I listen to the books to go to bed, I read them when I'm anxious, and I love starting a reread at the beginning of autumn. Just getting into prisoner right now. I love, love, love you ladies. You make me laugh, and you see the Potterverse so similarly to myself. Keep up the good work. I can't wait to hear more. Thanks, Carly. She's so cute. Yep. I'm not just saying that because she said nice stuff about us. (laughs) But it helped. Well, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) If you want us to share your Sorting Hat story on a future episode, don't forget to email us at justkeeprolling at gmail.com. Let us know your house, your wand, the wood, the core, and the length, please. Your Patronus, and how you got into Harry Potter, plus anything else that you might want us to know, to share. Um, And that brings us to this week's trivia question. And we are asking you, what flavor was the funny gray jelly bean that Ron refused to try? If you know the answer, head over to our Facebook page at JKR Podcast and find the post. Comment under the post with the answer and the code word BIRDIEBOTS. And yes, I know that's two words, but I'm still saying code word. You just, you love to irritate me, don't you? Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, we will be in touch with the first one who responds with a correct answer and correct code words to figure out if you want a bitch is a witch Motherfucker's a wizard, or a just keep rolling sticker. And another way to get a sticker is to rate and review us. If you take a screenshot and email it to justkeeprolling at gmail.com, we will get back to you and figure out which sticker you want and where to send it. 
So join us next week when we talk about Chapter 6, Journey from Platform 9 and 3 quarters, and the corresponding movie scenes. Thanks for listening. We hope you hear us again. I'm Katie. I'm Ellen. Until the next time, just keep rolling. Thank you.